Baptist Church and to this time of fellowship and worship as we have gathered together in the name of Christ. Uh, we welcome our, our guests, especially today. We are so glad that you are here and a part of our fellowship this morning and hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way. Uh, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to uh, ask if you will. It's on in the little purple folder there. We would like to ask if you would to take those and to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. A few announcements that... Um, I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, next week, next Sunday, we will be attending the Otters game. And um, we decided that we can just go over there and buy some tickets instead of going online and paying the service fee. And so we will be meeting here uh, Sunday afternoon at 4.15. We'll be leaving here at 4.15 to go to the game. I think the game starts at 5 o'clock. So uh, we'll just meet here and, and go over uh, next week. So we will still be going to the Otters game next week. And Sue Barry, I think you have an announcement about our upperclassmen uh, uh, excursion for this month to uh, McCutcheon Meadows. As you all can see, the beautiful home is on the screen above us. That's where we're headed on Friday. We need you to be here promptly before 10 o'clock because we need to leave at 10 o'clock. Uh, once we get there... It's oohing and on, and then we get seated. Our meal will probably be about 12.20, 12.30, something like that. I want to remind everybody, following the, uh, the meal and the tour at McCutcheon Meadows, we will be stopping at Country Breeze, which is a Mennonite store bulk market. They have fresh produce. They have all kinds of spices. They have a dairy case that still sells the big round cheese. Cut, slice it off. I'll take a cooler, but if you cook... Bring a list of your spices because it is a wonderful place to purchase those. It's just kind of an interesting little store. They're very friendly and very nice. But like I said, they do sell a lot of variety of different produce and uh, your spices and rice and anything you can think of in bulk. And what I mean by bulk, it's not huge bags. It's like they price it by the ounce or the pound and it's bagged up. So just want to give you all a reminder of that. So be here and we will leave at 10 o'clock. And a reminder, our potluck lunch for July will not be the fourth Monday. It will be the fifth Monday. And that's July the 31st. We do have a speaker coming in for this one, and it's um, Spencer and Linda Brewer from Muhlenberg County, and they do a wonderful presentation on the history of the U.S. flag. Um, it was done down at the Henderson Library on Flag Day, um, but I thought if there's anyone that wants to bring their children or grandchildren or whatever or, or bring a friend, you know, this will be a wonderful one. It's, it's just a very delightful program, so thank you very much. Thank you, Sue. We have a lot going on and uh, a lot of other plans. Uh, we'll uh, invite you to look at your bulletin and check our calendar and, and uh, for things that are, that are coming up. And, of course, uh, many of you know, and uh, for those of you who don't know, I have some bad news, and, and that is that we are devastated by uh, Robert Jenkins' death on Friday. Uh, he was one of the finest men that uh, any of us could, could ever know. And we'll all miss him deeply. His memorial service will be here at the church on Wednesday at uh, 2.30, I think it is, 2.30. So I know uh, many of you will like to be here, and we'll keep Vicki and, and their, um, their family in our prayers. I don't know about you, but I think I need a hug. So let's stand and, uh, and, and comfort each other in the name of the Lord.
take a moment to listen. Precious Lord, the psalmist said, you have given us an open ear to hear our words. You are listening to us now. You hear our cries. You hear our joys. You hear our trust in you. And if we could have have the heart and mind of Paul and Timothy, we could pray without ceasing, asking that our hearts and minds be filled with knowledge and understanding without hesitation or or attitude. Oh, Lord, you are listening to us right now. So what are we saying? There are burdens in our hearts for the times of trouble that we are afraid to share. And so we pray that you would hear our burdens and help us to shoulder our loads. There are angry words in our minds for those who have done us wrong. There are feelings of fear for the moments when you find us in shame for the wrong that we have done to someone else. There are tears of sorrow. For many of us, that is especially true today as we are devastated with the loss of our dear friend Robert. Give peace, O oh God, to Vicki, to Wes, to Amy, and to all of us. And there are struggles of pain for those who are healing. There are hearts that are no longer dancing because the joy has gone away. And there you are, Lord, listening to our innermost, sometimes most personal prayers. You are indeed a listening God. And we thank you for extending such a gracious courtesy to us. And now, God, it's your turn. Speak to us. In the quietness of this moment, we listen. Amen.
please pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for the bounty that surrounds us, for the magnificence of nature, for the opportunities for joy and successes, and for challenges that help us to learn and grow. Help us to be vigilant stewards of this world, to be ever grateful for the blessings that surround us, and constantly and increasingly aware of those whose needs are greater than our own. We pray that these are gifts, tithes, and offerings, along with our hearts and minds and bodies, will be used to bless those in need and to further your kingdom in our church, our community, and the world. I pray all of this in the name of the one who came to teach us how to serve, your son Jesus Christ. Amen. Please follow along as I read Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out to the house of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, 
Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. And still other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Now other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away what is sown in the heart. This is what is sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Listen to it, my friends. Little town of Bethlehem, 
Angels gather round him underneath the stars, singing praises to the great I Am. He walked on the water, healed the lame, and made the blind to see again. And for the first time here on earth, we learn that God can be a friend. No, He never ever did a single thing wrong. The angry crowd chose Him. And then He walked down the road and died on the cross. And that was the end of the beginning. That's not a new book. That's the Bible He said. And I've heard it all before. I've tried religion, it's shame and guilt, and I don't need it anymore. It's superstition, a made-up tales, but just to help the weak to survive. Let me read it again, I said, but listen closely. This is going to change your life. He was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. Angels gather round him underneath the stars, singing praises to the great I Am. He walked on the water, healed the lame, and made the sea again. And for the first time here on earth, we learn that God can be a friend. And though he never ever did a single thing wrong, the angry crowd chose him. And then he walked down the road and died on the cross, and that was the end of the beginning. said they hung him, put nails in his hands, and a crown of thorns on his head. I said, I'll read it again, but this time there's more, and I believe that this is true. His death wasn't the end, but the beginning of life that's completed in you. Don't you see, he did all this for you. One holy night in the little town of Bethlehem All the angels singing Praise to the great I Am He walked on the wall to heal the lame And made the blind to sing Did you know that God could be a friend? No, He never ever did a single thing wrong He was the one the crowd chose And then He walked and He died Three days later, three days later, he rose. Three days later, he
Wow, it's powerful, isn't it? What a powerful message and a powerful voice. Thank you, Rick, for sharing with us. Bob Wolf, in um, his book titled Friendly Persuasion, tells a story about a former talk show host, uh, Larry King. Seems that, that Larry was a, a guest on a morning TV show one morning, and, and the woman who, who interviewed him was the, the classic host who asks you a question and then looks off and in another direction, not paying any attention to what you had to say. Well, the host had five questions that she wanted to ask Larry, obviously written out by someone else, and she checked them off as she asked them. And Larry noticed that she wasn't listening to him at all. She was looking at the camera or she was looking at the monitor or looking off somewhere else, somebody in the background there. And and her third question was, what do you think is the secret to being a successful talk show host? Well, as Larry started to answer that question, he, he saw that she was looking away again and not paying any attention to him. And so he decided to have a little fun with her. He said, in my case, the secret to being a successful talk show host lies in the fact that I am actually an agent for the CIA. He said, they get me good guests for my show, and in return, I broadcast signal words and coded messages every night for their agents to receive. And without missing a beat, said Larry, she fired off her next question. Can you tell us some of the outstanding guests that you've had? (laughs) Obviously, she hadn't even heard a word that he said. She hadn't even heard his absurd response to her question. She wasn't listening. Well, our question for today is, how well do you listen? If I were to ask your spouse or your significant other how well you listen, what would he or she say about that? If I ask your employees or your employers or your co-workers how well you listened, how would they answer that question? And if I ask God, how well does anyone in this room listen to you, how do you think God would respond? Let's talk about listening for a few moments this morning. In our lesson for today, Jesus tells a parable. A sower went out to sow some seed, he said, and some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds came along and and ate it all up. And some seed fell on the hard ground and withered because the plants could not put down roots deep enough to to sustain the plant. And some seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them out and But some of the seed fell on good ground, and they brought forth fruit, in some cases a hundredfold. Now, I believe that you and I can agree that Jesus was not interested in teaching us or them anything about agricultural farming practices. That was not the purpose of this story at all. No. He's talking about people. People who are exposed to his teachings. He's talking about people who have heard the message of his gospel. And he knew that some of those folks who hear the word of God are kind of like that talk show host. They don't really listen. 
And they will leave that experience without really hearing a thing. Others, after hearing Jesus' message, will make a a half-hearted commitment and then then they'll fall away. A few will sincerely want to follow the ways of Christ, but when they get out in the world and, and, and the world begins to, to influence their lives, they begin to waver and, and finally to wither. The fact is that only a handful of folks who hear God's message will experience the joy and the new meaning and the purpose that walking in the footsteps of Jesus can give. So the question that we need to deal with with today is, why don't more people pay attention to Jesus' words? I mean, the truthfulness of the gospel message is, is so obvious to those of us who have trusted our lives to Him. And the destructiveness of, of living a less worthy life is, is also so evident. So why don't people listen to what Jesus has to say? And of course, it's, it's easy for us to talk about the disinterest of people who are in the outside world. But I think it's an even more pressing question for us today. Is why do those of us who are supposedly committed to Christ not listen to his message to us? Why are we not more passionate? more adventurous, more assertive in our commitment to Jesus and His teaching? What's holding us back? Why does the seed of the gospel sometimes fall on infertile soil, even within the walls of the church? And so I'm asking you, as I'm asking myself this morning, how well do we listen How well do we listen to others, particularly to those who are closest to you? And how well do we listen to God? Well, research tells us that most people don't really listen very well at all. You ever notice that? Hey, I ask you a question. knows that most people really don't listen very well at all, even in the best of circumstances. And even worse, we don't remember much of what we hear, do we? Do we? For example, if I were to ask you how much you remember of my message last week, (laughs) most of you would probably have to confess that you don't remember very much, do you? And actually, if truth be known, I'm not so sure that I remember much myself. (laughs) And that's one reason I like like to tell a lot of stories in my messages. You see, studies show that by the time you get to the restaurant for lunch today, most of you will have forgotten the points that I've made in my sermon, but you may remember the stories that I told. And that's probably why Jesus used so many parables. It's because people remembered parables, which, of course, is nothing more than a a particular type of story. And it's interesting that the Bible tells us that at the end of John, it tells us that Jesus actually said a whole lot more than what was recorded in the Gospels. 
And that's understandable because as far as we know, Jesus never wrote anything down. And think about that. When Jesus was teaching, wherever he was, on the hillside or on the boat or, or, or on the shore or wherever he was, in the temple, when he was teaching, he never handed out a lesson plan. He never handed out a sermon outline. He spoke. And he expected his listeners to remember what he said. And I'm sure that the reason why the gospel writers included so many of Jesus' parables in their gospel accounts of his life is that what, that's what they remembered. That's what they could remember from his teachings. Stories stick with us. But listening is hard, isn't it? It's hard to do. The process of communication is fraught with so many hurdles to overcome. It begins with the thought that someone wants to communicate, the thought that somebody has in their head, and they want to communicate that, that, that thought, and then that person has to formulate the words to adequate, adequately express that thought, and then the person has to actually say the words in such a way that the listener can hear and understand those words. And then the listener has to be able to be listening well enough to actually hear what the person was saying and paying close enough attention that he or she is grasping the meaning of what the speaker is trying to get across. But inevitably the listener takes the words that they hear, if indeed they hear them correctly, and interprets those words through the filter of their own life experiences. And before you know it, it's kind of like that game of gossip that we used to play as kids. You remember that? So, something is whispered from person to person, and by the end, the message is so garbled that it doesn't even resemble the original message in the least. And when you think about it, it's pretty amazing that anything is ever accurately communicated from person to person. There's a funny story from Texas about an immigrant from the Middle East. His name was Ahmed. He managed a repair shop there in the Lone Star State. And one day a man called the shop and asked to speak to the manager, Ahmed. And Ahmed answered the phone and said, Hello, Ed speaking. How can I help you? And the, other, the man on the other end of the phone said, I'm sorry, I was calling for Ahmed. And then the reply came, this is Ahmed. How can I help you? And the client asked, I thought you just said your name was Ed. And Ed said, with a genuine Texas accent, I did. But whenever I answer the phone and say, I'm Ed, people think I'm saying, I'm Ed. So I figured it's just easier to be Ed. <laughs> I could see something like that happening in Texas, don't you? Communication is so difficult to do, even under the best of circumstances. Listening's hard to do. But notice this. Jesus' emphasis in this parable is not upon the sower. And it's not upon the seed, but it's upon the soil. 
The question that Jesus is asking is this. Is the condition of the soil receptive to receiving the seed? God is the sower. The message of God is the seed. And the soil is our hearts. My friends, the most eloquent preacher in the world cannot reach a heart that is hardened to God's word. Or a life that is choked out with the weeds of worldly concern. Rodney Cooper tells about a woman who was frantic when she discovered that her daughter was missing in the Rocky Mountains. This woman thrashed through the woods, screaming her daughter's name, and then she went back to, to the campsite to call for help, and within, a, within about a half an hour, a search team was organized, and they began sweeping through the area, calling out for the little girl, and the woman, of course, joined them, and she sat down on a rock to, to rest for a moment, and, and she was wondering how would she ever find her little girl. She was listening for her daughter's voice, but all she could hear was the, the volunteers pounding through the woods and calling her daughter's name. And, and suddenly she decided that she and the other searchers were making so much, no, so much noise that they couldn't hear if the little girl was yelling or crying out for, for her. And she relayed that information to the others, and in just a few moments, everyone was silent, standing quietly. And the woman listened. Nothing. She listened harder. Every pore of her body, every fiber, every muscle strained to hear the one voice that she recognized above all others. And then she faintly heard her little girl calling for her from the distance. By carefully listening and following the sound of her voice, that woman was reunited with her daughter. My friends, sometimes we just need to get to a quiet place and listen, don't we? And of course, that's a major part of what prayer is all about, isn't it? It's about listening. We need a time when we can simply spend time in God's presence. Not talking, just listening, just being there. Some people call this centering prayer. Uh, Tony Campolo practices centering prayer. He says that it's, it's hard to describe just what happens in this time spent exclusively in God's presence. He cites Mother Teresa uh, who once explained that when she prayed, she often said nothing to God. She just listened. And when I asked what God says to her, she answered nothing. God listens. And then she added, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I can't explain it to you. And Campolo says that he knows what she's talking about. The psalmist describes it as the deep speaking to the deep. In another place, the Bible says that prayers like this are groanings that cannot be uttered too deep for words. And Campolo says that after he is engaged in this type of centering prayer, his, he senses a fullness in his soul. 
And with that fullness, there's an awareness that God is a living and, and guiding presence within him. He feels like he will be led into encounters in his everyday life with others in which he will have the opportunity to share something of what God has given to him. And, and he gives an example, a, a rather dramatic example of something that took place one day. One morning after he had finished this centering prayer, just being in the presence of God. He said that as he stood on the street corner on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania where he used to teach, he said he was waiting there for the light to change. And he heard the duck lady coming up from behind him. They called this homeless woman the duck lady because she made an incessant quacking sound wherever she went. And she was everywhere on the campus. And he heard her coming quack, quack, quack down the road. And there she was standing right beside him waiting for the traffic light. And then he said something that verged on the supernatural took place. He turned to her and she turned to him and their eyes met and they connected with all the spiritual energy that had flowed into him during his, his morning prayers, he focused on her. He didn't just look at her. He says he looked into her. And somehow he felt empowered to reach down into the, the, the depths of her soul. And what surprised him is that she was, do, she was doing the same thing. He could feel her spiritually pouring herself into him. And she stopped her quacking. She never did that. He had never heard of her doing that before. But in that moment, she stopped her quacking. And then she lifted her eyes and she looked around. She looked at the sky. She looked at the, the trees. She looked at the people standing nearby and she looked back at Tony and said, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's really wonderful, really, really wonderful. And before he could answer, the light changed and several people rushed by them. And, and as one of them brushed by the duck lady, he watched her head jerk slightly. And, and then she fell back into her schizophrenic state. As he wandered across the street and disappeared into the crowd, he once again heard this incessant quacking. And he stood there wondering what might have happened if he could have held on to her for just a, a little longer. Perhaps just a minute or two more. Then maybe the deliverance would not have been so temporary. Just maybe something more might have happened. Now, Campolo says that he understands that the duck lady needs the help of a psychotherapist and psychiatrist. But, he writes, when the psychotherapist and, th and psychiatrist have done all that they can, can to no avail, he believes that there is still a balm in Gilead that can heal the troubled soul. And that balm becomes available to him when in prayer the Holy Spirit saturates his soul.
He says, in centering prayer, something happens to me that is strange and blessed. I I feel the Spirit expanding within me like a fountain of living water, and I begin to experience a transforming presence and a sense of the empowerment of God. Now, you and I may never experience such intensity in our prayer. I hope we do, but we may never. Because it takes a real commitment to set aside this, this time to truly listen to God. But you know, it's ironic, isn't it? We, we'll spend an hour each morning exercising our bodies at the gym, but we won't spend half that time getting our souls in shape, spending time with God. Jesus told a parable. A sower went out to sow some seed. Some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds ate it up. Some of the seed fell on hard ground and it withered away because the plants could not put down roots deep enough. Some fell among thorns and the thorns choked them out. But some of the seed fell on good soil and they brought forth fruit in some cases up to a hundredfold. The seed falling on good soil, he explained, refers to someone who hears the word of God and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred and sixty and thirty times what was sown. And so the question that I leave you with today is this. Are you listening? Listen up. This is the whole point of the whole sermon. What condition is the soil of your heart in? There's the question. What condition is the soil of your heart in? It's simply a matter of listening. Amen. Let's sing. Number 288, where he leads me, I will go. I, and you know what? We don't know where to go unless we're listening. <laughs> so let's listen as we sing.
from here with your ear steadily leaning towards God. Strain your focus to hear God's spirit stirring within you. Struggle with the art of listening to one another and to God. Read God's word. Listen to what God is saying to you. Then don't just sit there. Do something. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Amen. The trumpets play and the angels sing every sweet refrain of amazing grace. And the heavens' hands opened up the gate and the children danced when they saw your face. As happy as they were to see you come. I was just as sad to have to watch you go, oh, but knowing what I know about heaven, believing that you're all the way home, knowing that you're somewhere better, is all I need to let you go. I could hope that I could bring you back, but why on earth would I do that when you're somewhere life and love never ends? Oh, knowing what I know about heaven, where every single voice makes a choice. 
I know the sun is shining where you are. 